me and my mate looked at each other and it was like that was a cat. You could see just the way it, it moved. It was a cat and it was big. You sound mental when you say it, don't you? But I know what I saw. I just froze. <laughs> didn't want to move because I didn't want it coming towards me or anything, something like that. You think, where the hell has that come from? Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We have reached episode 90, and we're coming to you with this one in the second half of January 2023, if you're listening on schedule. We're sort of on location with this episode, as Owen and I have come to do a recording with two experienced investigators who are based in the Stroud Valleys area in Gloucestershire. And there have been plenty of big cat sightings and big cat incidents quite literally up the hill and around the corner a mile or two from their house. So our guests are Andy and Claire Rule, and we'll be discussing some highlights of their experience and things that they have heard about and followed up on in the locality. We're also sitting in their living room with their dogs, Millie and Rosie. So if you hear any background noise, the two dogs are with us as well. So Andy and Claire, welcome to the show and thanks for hosting us. Morning, Rick. Oh, and lovely to see you both. Thank you, Rick and Owen. Thank you for coming. Good stuff. So we're going to start by how you got started in the topic yourselves. And actually, although I've spent 10, 15 years hanging about with you guys, investigating in the past. I don't know how you I got started. I don't think you really knew the truth, did you? <laughs> so, no. Andy, how did you get into it? It's Claire's fault. Claire had it as a hobby. Claire used to keep coming over to me and saying, can you look at this? Can you look at this? There's this. I know this is happening. I know this is real. Yeah, I used to ask him to take me places, to take me to find where reports were before we spoke to you. Andy, did you quickly, did you accept what Claire was saying? Did you think this was weird or did you think, oh, this is interesting? I'd grown up hearing weird stuff because I live where I live in Stroud Valley. You know, we've always heard of Rod before and Winchester Park and hauntings and God knows what else. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I've heard stuff over the years, but I didn't really believe. I wouldn't say I believed at all. I'd say I was a sceptic that they were even out there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, personally, from the start, I was. I, I believed a lot of things. But some of it, you've got to see the evidence. Yeah. And that's, like I say, a lot of people have the problem, they want to see the evidence. And I was the same, I wanted to see the evidence to believe it. Yeah, but you were a very outdoorsy person and knew about basics of tracking and all that anyway, didn't you? Qualified gamekeeper when I was 17. Not yeah. that that matters much these days with society the way it is. But Yeah, and you've never done that as a... As a... Well, yeah, I've done it as a career. I had to do it when I was at college. Yes, but you've never been a professional gamekeeper? No, no, no. no, no. It's not your cup of tea, basically. It's about being in the countryside, yeah. and it's about understanding how nature actually has to work a little bit. It's a side of life that, although most people don't like it, it does explain a little bit about what we have to understand is that we grow, we die. Yeah, an ecosystem and predators and prey and that sort of thing, yeah. Okay, thank you, Andy. So you were receptive eventually, but Claire, so how did you discover the possibility of big cats in the locality then? Well, when I was 16... I was lodging with people in Woodcock Lane and um, they came back and said they saw a big black cat on Devro Hill. Yeah, this is local areas in Stroud for listeners. And that was when I was 16. I'm going to be 50 like in a couple of months, so it's a long time ago, but yeah. I've always been interested. And when it hit the paper with the deer carcass, 
and then I just started researching it so I was really really getting a grip she was I like yeah. I said I'm playing games and she sat there with facing the laptop yeah she's okay, going yeah. you've got to look at this you've got to look at this and I'm going but darling I'm trying to shoot this guy on the telly do you know what I mean he's been running me ragged for hours and she's going no come and look at this and eventually she can I go there I remember when I first met Frank Tunbridge, Frank was doing car boot sales near that area. And he every other weekend, he would say, I've had another report of the car boot sale from Dovro Hill uh, or somewhere else, but often Dovro Hill. Of course, each witness was independent. They didn't know what had been told to Frank a fortnight earlier in the same area. So this was consistent. People don't discuss it with each other, do they? Yeah. They wait for people like you to come along or people like us. Or we'll hear it in the papers and it flushes them out. And yeah. it flushes them out a little bit, yeah. Well, that's nice to have that sorted. I didn't genuinely didn't know No, that. no, she pestered me like hell over it. Yeah. So we're going to now talk about how you work as a team because it's interesting that you are a couple investigating because often couples have different interests so you've got this mutual interest and how do you go about it do you work as a team and do you argue or do you always agree how does it work i'll let you tell them we don't argue darling <laughs> i think we'll understand that you know family squabble because of our disabled son james um, we only had five hours off looking after him three times a week and we'd spend that time together doing, doing this hobby yeah even if it was raining well, we've been in Woodchester Park and it's been raining. We're soaking wet. We're nearly crying. Mm-hmm. But we're still out there doing it because that's what we believed we wanted to be doing. What it is, is it's... We didn't have time to argue because it was our time. Yeah. You know, like, people have date nights. We that don't have date, date nights. Night, yeah. What's the point in having a date night? It costs you 100 quid and you come home and argue. Whereas we could go out in the woods, we could sort our problems out that we were having in the family. we discuss our problems when we're on our way. To where we're going and then we get there we look at what we want to look at and then we discuss that stuff when we're on our way back we were always finding stuff that kept us interested interested and, yeah. rather than you can't argue if you don't know about it if oh. we don't know it all so how the hell can we argue with each other over it do you know what I mean so you're discovering and learning yeah that's it that's it Rick. and it was a distraction from the slog of the family life and the hassles of family life yeah that's very difficult yeah. life we yeah. needed that break we did need the break yeah. But Frank would send us out to places. So we'd get a phone call the night before, we'd be on our push bikes, ride into Robber Common or... And he would literally ring us up and say, I've had a phone call from here near you. And of course there is a wider network now of people in Gloucestershire doing this. And we keep together and we get on, which is very nice. And There's yeah. a big group of people around here yeah. that do it. We'll cut to the chase now and ask you about highlights of all this investigation over the years. Claire, what is your highlight of something that you've heard or seen the highlight is the tail yeah. because then every year well twice in one year we got part of the cat on the camera and then the next year it came back the next year it came back and we still got to check the cameras to see whether it's come back again yes, i think it's a high point because it's it's what you want it's not a random sighting on the camera and so, you deliberately put cameras there because you thought that was a good spot because the sighting's there. It's and... a combination of everything. We, we can't honestly say that it's all down to what we've done because we've, we've took sightings, we've talked to people like Frank about the areas where the cameras are. But there are field signs are there, there's plenty of scats. We've not had tree scratches up in that particular area but we get plenty of scats and we get quite a few carcasses. Since you got that tail on the camera and incidentally we'll be putting those pictures 
they've been in the press, so a lot of listeners might have seen them anywhere on Gloucestershire Live recently, but elsewhere on the press. But we'll put them on episode 90, references and links on the Big Cat Conversations website so people can see them from themselves. Long, thick, curved, tubular tail, sometimes a little bit of the back haunches as well. So yeah. it does tick the boxes for a black leopard-like cat and scale, doesn't it? Yes, it, it does, yeah. It does seem to. If you look at the tail, when you zoom in, you're... If you put it on the screens and you can zoom it in, you can see that the tail's actually got blotches on it. And now I know we're talking to you in the past, right, you were concerned because at one point you were even concerned there was a collar on, weren't you? When we first got the image of the whole body, there was blotches on the neck. So I've had to do research to work out whether this is markings or whether it's a camera fault or whether it's a shadow. And then what I found was that there's, tail, there's markings on the tail and there's markings on the neck which seems to tie in with the fact that they're blotchier on the extremities and more of the rosette across the body. It says when they get to the legs, they turn to just dots, and as they turn, go up the neck, they, the dots form lines, and the tail turns into blobs and blotches rather than rosettes. Although it's a dark image, you can still just see enough of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it drives an excitement up there, doesn't it, on that camera? Yeah, because I know it's real, and I know the cat goes there. So me and my mum would go up, and as soon as I took the camera out of the box, I'd start shaking like a leaf. And my mum was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm scared, mum. And she said, it's so quiet up here. Why is it so quiet? <laughs> and she would have to do the batches for me. <laughs> oh, brilliant. But of course, you never had that attitude before it turned up. No. When you know it could be there. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's a big, powerful animal. Yeah. It could be there. Right. Love to see it, but I'm scared. Beforehand, yeah. it's always been a case of <laughs> it's going to be here somewhere, but we don't know where it is. Yeah. And, and you yeah. almost put yourself like, you feel like you're the target. I think that's what it was. She suddenly felt like, well, it walks past here and it's always over there. I'm happy and I'm excited about it. That's yeah. the only camera but you get scared at, yeah. isn't it? Yes, it is the only camera I get scared at. <laughs> yes. Which is bizarre. And I, I ought to say that Frank and myself, and I know other investigators, and I know you guys, we've all had plenty of reports from people in that block of woodland. Yeah, the funniest report I've ever heard from there was at one of the rural shows. A guy from a running club, Stroud Running Club, came in and he okay. said, he said uh, yeah, he said, I know there are big cats around because he said the leader of our running club, as we run through that wood, he always goes ahead at a silly, fast pace, much faster than the rest of us. <laughs> One time, we, we thought he was the usual two minutes ahead, and he came charging back towards us, remonstrating and shouting, saying, quick, go back, there's a big cat up there. <laughs> and he had actually tr almost tripped up on it. I said to this guy, well, that's interesting, because they normally flee from that. But yeah. when we do have people who sort of almost walk over one, which does happen sometimes, we tend to think it's an older cat that might be hard of hearing or deaf, which can happen when they get older from any type of cat, yeah. including yeah. these okay. cats. But he said that that guy would run so fast that... He would have been up on it. Yeah. Yeah, he started it. I think most encounters are probably where we've caught them unaware. The ones where you get all these blurry images that people struggle and they pick them apart, it's because you've caught an animal going about its daily life and you're the one that's amazed, not the animal. I think if people were to go back to most of their camera locations where they see an image, where people take a photograph and they think they've seen something, they should go back afterwards and they should look in the area. 
But of course, people are not always as motivated and driven to it as no, we are. But if you're That's motivated enough to put it in the press, go and have a look. Yeah. Because you don't want to look stupid in the press. Do you? Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Do yeah. You mean? Well, we'll come on to that a bit later. But Claire, have you had you had a sighting or anything else close to you that's freaked your? Yeah, um, Collier's Wood. Oh, yeah. We um, found a carcass in the stream, and there was plucking on the bank, and so we went down to check the carcass, take some photographs. I said I'd walk along the bank a bit, and then I walked along, looked up the bank. I looked up and I was like, there's something here. And I could see something and I've done it so quick that, and when I came back, it was gone. So I ran to tell him. What it was, was we were going down this bank and we, we could see the carcass on this upper bank, the other side of this fence. And I ran, like you do when you're start getting into this you tend to go quite fast towards what you're looking at almost left Claire in the middle of the field so Claire was coming along at the same angle we'd started at you came straight down the field didn't you whereas yes, I, I cut did, across yeah. and she said to me afterwards she said there was something over on the log over there and she said there's something big and brown on the log it wasn't a deer yeah. well no because you said it was log. on the log the weird thing is, she came to me and said it and took me across and I couldn't see anything. But the carcass we had was a perfect kill. In the adjacent field, we didn't know this at the time, but there was alpacas. So in the field where it was actually sat was alpacas. Um, so the food sources were there for it. We found big pug marks, didn't we, nearby on the lake? Yeah, by the lakeside. By the lake. Mm. And that was that is the Woodchester Valley area, is that what yeah. you just yes, mentioned? Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's an offshoot of Woodchester Valley. Yeah. yeah. So Andy's now showing a carcass root cage in a sort of puddly area, streamside. Yeah, stream. Yes, like yeah. a stream. What it done, dispatched it up here in the woods and all along this bank there was hair. All that grey going down the bank there is hair where it's been dragged down into the river and then it seems like it's one antler was yeah. completely gone. Snapped yeah. off. So that was why you were there, following that. Yeah, you yeah. found that and following. We found that. Yeah. Literally, that's what I ran to look at, and she's freaking out because she says there's something still there. But isn't this so tantalising and frustrating that investigating is often like this? There could be something there and it's gone. We've always said we don't tend to say stuff because, as you were saying, I think there, as the investigator, you don't want to seem like you're saying. No. Yeah, you're saying everything's there all the time. We've seen quite a few things that we wouldn't necessarily tell people and not for the fact that uh, we'd be ridiculed, but it's more to us, it's more that that is evidence to support what we're doing. If we see an animal, that's a reason then to go back. That's a reason to go back and look. You mean a carcass? Yeah, a Mm. carcass or an animal. Where anything we've seen with our own eyes, we won't necessarily tell people, but we will use it to our advantage to further our investigation. Yes, to build a picture yeah. and everything. Yeah, Because half the time it's not worth telling people until you've got the whole picture. Like we said, we had five hours off three times a week and so we were going over there and each time we went over there we'd find something new but you could see that it was older. Each time you got there it was getting older, like the scat was obviously yeah. not fresh. Yeah, but okay. Things and like that, before we showed you that, you see, we'd go online and we'd look up what a leopard scat looked like before approaching anybody like you. Because, once again, you don't want to go to with somebody with a bag of cat poo yeah. claiming that it's from a leopard and the bloke stand there and say, you're off your nut, mate. Mm. You know what I mean? That's come out of a Labrador. OK. 
Uh, Andy, your highlight, something which is not on our schedule that is a highlight from your investigations. My highlight would be the two cats that I saw together in a field. We were sent out to a location from Frank and we were following up leads from Frank and working on something that Frank had had good feedback from, good results back from, but he was hoping to get better camera footage. So he called us in and the location was, um, to say the least, difficult. Cameras had gone missing before from Frank, so it was a difficult place to put in cameras. We put down cameras, we struggled, there was a lot of work being done there, we'd had to remove the cameras. But the, the area still, it, it shouted at us, there was something more key to what they were getting than what we were seeing. And so we spent quite a bit of time walking around the local area looking up at those banks, but from, from the opposite side of the valley, which is sometimes the best way to look at it somewhere, is from the opposite side of the valley. Mm. Um, and it's drizzling with rain, and it's, it's a standard day in England straight, you know, in drizzle, rain, yeah. cold, wet, and there we are stood in the middle of the field, weren't we? And I was halfway up this bank, and I'm looking out across, and I'm watching a black clump in a field. And there's this black clump, and I'm thinking to myself, that black clump doesn't look like the rest of those clumps in that field. It seems rather black. And, uh, oh, you're just an idiot, Andy. It's just a bit of grass, or maybe it's a Dexter cow or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I stood there watching it, and I thought, well, it moved about, only literally, it could have only been about 10, 12 foot that that's moved across the screen, 10, maybe 15 foot from one end of hard scrub to another. And in the time that it moved, another animal came out the hedge, further up the bank and further back along the hillside. And it done a sort of like S shape and appeared about four foot behind the animal that I'm stood looking at. One brown, one black, or what appears brown. Even though we'd already found some of this stuff that was leaning me towards it. Yeah, field signs. Field yeah, signs that were leaning. It was leaning me that way. But to stand there and watch two animals in the field and my brain saying well even if the front one's a bloody cow I know the one at the back's not a cow you know what I mean so even if the black object was possibly a small cow that brown object that just came out the wood with the big long tail that's 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 not a yeah that's not a cow yes Andy you you guys don't have binoculars do you now I do I think do, binoculars... I can't I can't stand that yeah, I know what you mean. They give you neck ache and you often don't use them anyway. But I do think... But had you had binoculars on this occasion? I, if I'd have had binoculars attached to a camera, I'd have been grinning my face off. Yeah. Um, because yeah, yeah, because, well, the binoculars are there for your eyes, aren't they? They're still not going to prove it. They're well, not going to prove it to you. They'll be helpful to you. I and think then that the, proved it to me when I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, look, Andy did take a photo and through the mist and... Obviously, a huge distance, and we've got. We're looking at a picture on their on their computer in the lounge now, and I have to say, it's got the right shape and jizz, and it's knowing the context now you're describing. It does all work. That if I could have videoed, I would have. But to be honest, I'm lucky that even the phone took the picture it took, or the camera took the picture it took, yeah. because of the weather. Yeah. Everybody says the drizzly rain. Well, we get a lot of it. Mm. And it's not going to convince anybody it's from not going cold. To convince it's anybody. not going to be an Most influential picture. Most people won't be convinced it's even an animal. You know, there's yeah. enough people out there who say, you're talking out your bum, mate. There's no way you'll convince me that's a cat. Yeah, sure. But it's where it was, 
the location of it was relevant, really relevant to something we know is a, a strong evidence. Mm. And it's supporting that. Yes. It doesn't stand alone. No. no. It supports. I th- yes. I think yeah. we can say, because people will have seen this on documentaries and it's been in the press, this is very close to Corin memories memory. footage. And yes. we've heard Corin on episode two, I think it was, of the podcast. So yeah. this is all, you know... It was all to help support the press. Don't accept what you're giving them. And it's like, we need better, we need better. We need yeah. But the upgrade of it from the IT because the ITN done it this is, they? we're talking and about big, Britain's Big Cat Mystery yes, yes the upgrade they've done by doing it on that that, that size comparison there that, that really shows that cat of what it appears to be yes good yeah. I, I like that it's, it's, yeah. a, it's an improvement on what it was available 10 years ago to look at yeah. and this is the other thing people say about the imagery and it's going to take a while for the images to change yes for the technology to to, to catch up to yeah and for us to you know this yourself for the actual cat to get in the middle of the picture would yes. be nice wouldn't it yeah 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 and not being a misty night i've just shown you a puma on a misty night in devon yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean the yeah. weather the weather affects a lot more than what i give it yeah. credit for so why was that a highlight i think we can guess you, you think you saw two it, cats it, it made it made me excited about what we were doing yeah and this is before we got the tail see yeah this is all before we got the tail isn't it and the yeah. cat up there yeah well, we, can we talk about trail cameras? Because obviously some of us investigators have got experience of using trail cameras. Now, you have used many and over many years. And yeah. what, what is your conclusions and thoughts on trail cameras, having used so many? Andy first, and Claire. They're brilliant in some respects. They're hard work and expensive in another. Yeah, I think they're ingenious little bits of kit, and we really do enjoy using them. The process of actually getting more than just your standard nature on it is hard. We can put them on as many runs as we like and we know what we're going to get on it. We get everything. We always get the deer, the foxes, the badgers. They all love your cameras. But I think people have got this misconception even with that that you're going to put one camera out and that camera is going to catch this perfect animal walking past because of what we see on the telly and the documentaries. You know, obviously they don't understand that that's took hours and months and they're usually restricted areas and they know that animal's walking past that location, yeah? And they've got huge resources. They've got huge resources compared to us, yeah. Yeah. I think they're ingenious and I know they're going to be part of what proves it. I hope they're not going to be all that it needs to prove it because we can prove there's big cats wandering around out there but until we can actually tell what genus that is... We haven't proved anything either. We've just yes, proved there's big it? cats. We need to know what it is. Because, yeah. once again, we can't go around running, shouting leopards and the like if the DNA is not going to pack it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Claire, what, what have you learnt on trail cameras? Because you do an awful lot and have done an awful lot. Yeah, I, I don't mind doing the trail cameras, but it's time-consuming and you've got to make sure the batteries don't run out. So you've got to try and work out how many days the batteries will do and then you've got to then go back to the camera because otherwise you might miss something in between so we sort of like write it down in a book when we do the cameras so I've got like a log book of all the cameras and where they are and when I do them and when I redo them just put the date in the book and even checking through them you and I remember once having a chat in the pub and we both admitted that we fall asleep looking at the pictures yeah, especially the videos yeah. they take yeah. so long because you're concentrating so hard but you do after half an hour of it and if it's in the evening late in the evening yeah. you think I must you know, keep watching but you nod off but I don't know about you Claire but I actually now 
almost don't look for a cat and don't expect a cat when I'm checking my cameras. And I just study the wildlife. There might be a jay diving down or a pheasant seeing off a, a muntjac deer or something. You yeah. think these are fascinating little glimpses. We have got some really lovely nature pictures. Yeah. It is a badger climbing up a tree, trying yeah. to climb the tree. We've watched several does give, have their fawns up there. We've watched several generations of fawns travelling yeah. past our and cameras. And you're watching them grow up. Yeah, and you see, you, you look out for, you see a black a black buck, a fallow black buck or something, or a very pale fallow, almost white one, and you sort of see them in the group and you think, there it is, that's, you know, so all of those things of studying wildlife come to you yes. when you've got the cameras out. It, yeah. You get to see things like the shed as well, so when they molt. Yes, through the through the year. You Yeah, you get to see that happening, so it helps when you're finding stuff that you understand that actually it's the time of year that they're molting. Because you don't always think, oh, it's spring, it's autumn, it's what you don't. You're just going for walks. Yeah. Or I wonder what I'm going to see today. And quite often you'll find clumps of deer hair, as you know yourself. Not always is it going to be associated to a cat, but on many occasions around here it does seem to be. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's, the cameras, we see some lovely animals on cameras, don't we? I tend not to look at the middle of the pictures anymore. Because like I said, we all want it to be in the middle of the picture, yeah? And I hate to say this, but on 95% of our camera pictures, it's never anywhere near the bloody middle. It's sitting there saying, look, I'm here, but you ain't quite got a good enough picture of me to say anything about it. But they do definitely tend to stay to the side of our cameras. Yeah. Well, they're just super stealthy, aren't they? And that's what we must give them credit for. But that makes our job more difficult. It makes our job a lot more yeah. difficult. If you had a budget for cameras, would you rather spend it on fewer better quality ones or more lesser quality ones because it's a numbers game or a bit of both? I think I'd probably have to say a bit of both. By saying a bit of both, it allows both sides of the spectrum people to get into it because the expensive ones can be expensive. And if they're nicked, they're nicked. And if they're nicked. But there are ways of preventing that. Um, obviously, the higher up a tree you went, the less likely it is to get nicked. But I can't carry a ladder through the wood. Yeah, but some people do. I mean, John Bilney does that yeah. now, which is great. Well, bought a lightweight collapsible one to do that, yeah. but they're still actually quite heavy when you're walking 10, 15 miles with it on your back. I've just had a nudge from Owen to <laughs> ask the question about, have you ever messed up with a trail camera? Because yeah. we've all done yeah, that. We've all, the one. Andy's pointing at Q's, <laughs> yeah. accusing Owen of... Uh, you know me too well. <laughs> <laughs> so we we better ask that. Come on, own up. When have you messed up with the camera, Andy? And Actually, Owen? precisely in, in the image where I'm talking to you about the two cats together that Frank had led me to, the very first time we put the camera in, we talked to Frank about this secluded little hole in the hedge and how important we've all felt that this was and we'd have to be really stealthy to get it in there because we're doing it on the side of the road. And we put it in there, didn't we? And we, we set it all up and we like, walked away. Frank's going to be so happy with us. Frank's going to be so impressed. We've done what we're... This is bound to help because it's pointing exactly where Frank would like it to point. About six weeks later, wasn't it? There'd been loads of activity out there or something. So we'd gone back up thinking, well... Let's get the chip out for Frank, you know what I mean? It's like, I, got, I opened it and I said to Claire, I said, Claire, she said, yeah, what? Because I'm halfway up a bank hanging off a tree. And she's going, yeah, what? I go, did I do this, camera? So automatically I want to blame her on that. So, oh. so I, did I do this, camera? And she goes, yeah, you've done all of it. Why, what's wrong? I said, it's not turned on. Yeah, <laughs> we've all done said, it. Um, we're stood there and at the same time we're stressed because we've not turned it on we're watching the farmer coming into the field and starting to put new gate fence posts up along exactly the same line we've got this tied onto. 
So yeah, I've messed up. I've not turned it on. I've gone back six weeks later and had to, to take it out because of where it was. And we were scared the farmer was going to take it if they found it. To have nothing on it in a prime location. Yeah, it's almost like there's so much to do. To you forget that one last little bit, yeah. which is flick that switch up as well, stupid. Yeah, people <laughs> even do that when they're radio calling, radio collaring mountain lions in the states they forget to turn the collar on so it just goes off wearing jewelry i've heard that you know talking to mountain lion people and Uh, it's almost like you need to discipline somebody to say turn it on in the team i say to people with the cameras when because there's a lot of people people who say everybody's got these mobile phones and they all take these pictures and they're all so quick they're not that quick because me i hate technology so to me a mobile phone means you've got to get the phone out you've got to find the button that makes your screen come on you've got to press the button to bring up the screen that's possibly got your camera on it. I carry a proper camera. I prefer proper cameras. Yeah, yeah. Right, we ought to move on now to the puma-like sound that okay. you got. And that was Woodchester area a few years ago, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. some people might have seen it in the press and heard it in the press because yeah. it was on the Gloucestershire Live feature. And right. your feature in the Gloucestershire Live, we will put link to this uh, episode 90 on the on the website so people can see it there. So it was in Gloucestershire Live. We're going to actually play it now before we talk about it so people yeah. can hear it now. So people have just heard it now, and to, and it was in the snow, and you were out investigating. Tell us all about it. It was one of those days where we got up, and it was like, there's snow, we want to go somewhere nice. You want to go somewhere nice, you want to head up high. Because you're not going to find the cats down low. We wanted to head up high into where the trees had dropped their leaves. We were mainly open, I think, from footprints of scats, wouldn't it? We'd walked a couple of miles into this track, heading into this woodland, hadn't we? Yeah. It was blissful, but... There's not a lot about it. Well, it was one of those days where it was quiet, but it was crisp and the air was fresh. And it was just nice to be out. And we're following the top path in this rather large wood. All of a sudden we start hearing the noise. And you you can see in the video that I've literally, we've got a really bad quality camera, video camera, one of those with the twisty flip fronts, you know, that you go to open it, it looks like it's gonna fall off. And it was on a low battery. And it was like, well, we heard this noise and it's like, I've got to record it. So I'm going to record it, Claire, but we're going to go and find this, aren't we? And she's like, yeah, of course we're going to go and find this. So you can see from the thing, it's a little bit mumbled the way we speak, but it generally went along the lines of, oh my God, what's that? That sounds like it might be something interesting. Yes, that sounds like it's gone wow. Well, let's go find that then. And what's happened is uh, Claire's rushed 20 foot through the through the undergrowth, which is off the path, towards the barbed wire fence, which is leading out into the fields. We know the animal, the only way we're going to get to where this noise is coming from is to get out of the actual wood. Yeah, climb over the fence. And go into, into the, the fields field. adjacently. We're walking through, what, four to six inches of snow anyway across the top yeah. there? So it was hard going. For about half a mile, we could still hear that sound. And what we believe we've got there is we've got a cat calling and the echo 
we're getting a lot of echo and we're at the top of a valley and we're like I said a nice clear crisp winter's day and you really you have got to listen to it because if you really listen you can hear the cat call in the middle and you can hear that the rest of that is the reverb and the echo of it bouncing off to us at the time it sounded like two we kept going across these fields we went about well, two and a half fields wasn't it but it covered about a mile and a half in distance yeah probably about that much uh... we were running out of time for the day we had to be home for the kids due to the respite and we got to the top of this point where we could see to the edge of the precipice that we were going to approach we could see that far away from us across the fields that there was nothing actually in the fields the noises stopped so we basically we stopped by a wall and had cheese toasties and cold cheese toasties because wrapping them in foil doesn't work people it's a lie <laughs> and hot soup and we stood there, and whilst we were stood there, we were just looking at the direction where we were heading. And it's like, we could see something in the field, but it wasn't animals. It was, there was something on the ground. So we went across the last, the last field, and I took photos of this, you see, but I, they're one of those things that I've deleted. I don't know how many people have took photographs of footprints in the snow. Oh my God, four inches deep snow, trying to get a picture of what that is. It didn't matter what angle I stood at. I couldn't couldn't find a way getting the image of these prints to stay on the camera without it just being a white glare. But we had one animal set of prints that was, you know, we talk about a direct register, so they only really leave a line of one print, don't they? They don't leave two footprints everywhere they go. They leave a line of one. Where the back one goes into fully or partly into in, the into the front one. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were getting that, but next to it was... Andy sketching in his notepad. This. Okay, yeah. And the print's done that, all the way to the edge of the wood. So a diagonal pattern in the stride. Yeah. yeah. So it's like we had one going like that, Straight. and another one coming, yeah. weaving in weaving between in it. And that seems to make a little bit more sense when we then listen back at the calls, and we're thinking, well, yeah, that is one cat, but there's two sets of prints. Because there's no way one animal's going one foot in a straight line and the other one's snaking around itself. Okay. And there's only one, this one line going out of the snow into the wood. Of course, a month before I'd seen that. Yes, OK. This is a, a month after you'd seen the two... Together in the field. Oh, is which one, is in a different part of the Stroud Valley. So that's about yes, five it's, miles away. It's, a, it's an adjacent valley, but it's... Mm. Yeah, I'd say it's five probably about five miles away. Yeah, nothing yeah. to a cat mind. No, nothing at all to the cat. No, nothing at all to the cat. Yeah. How sure were you when you first heard the noise? That, were you that it was a large cat, like a puma, or a lynx, but probably more like a puma in the distance? To be honest, I've torn between puma and leopard. I cannot find signs in, online of leopards when they're mating, other than him doing the <laughs> bit, which he gets quite aggressive with, and it's quite a growl and a, more of a roar at the female uh, whereas pumas you can find sounds of them mixing together and it tends to be her chatting to him and getting his attention uh, they seem to do a lot of sticking their tails in their faces rubbing their cheeks on each other's jowls and she'll hiss and scream at him not in an aggressive manner but in a look I'm here and I'm offering myself almost mm -hmm. When watching the footage, it, it seems to be that that's the way the cats do it. The females have to push themselves on the males. Mm -hmm. um, I watched one the other day with a male, and he'd had a male leopard had had one female, 
And then another one tried to show interest, and he wasn't interested because he'd had the one. And she was really forcefully trying to shove herself... She, this female level was sitting on this male's head. Literally, look, I'm here and I'm ready to be made pregnant. And he's going, no, I'm not interested, love. I've, I've already done what I could do for the last six weeks. You're somebody new. I ain't got the energy. One of the best things about taking images is, whether it's a photo or a video, you get to relive the moment each time you look at it or replay it. Yeah. So it refreshes in your mind what, what you were feeling and everything at the time. I personally convinced myself that it was a female trying to grab a male's attention for the purpose of breeding. I can't remember whether it was January or February. Like I said, it was the winter of 2012. Mm. We don't want to get into an argument about breeding season. There's no breeding season for leopards anyway, mountain lions as such. Anyway, but working on the principle that most animals that live in this country know there's an abundance of fresh food in the spring and summer yeah. and summer you know in those yeah those sure that's why foxes and most deer have a breeding have, season, have the breeding season. Yeah. and it's not that they, the cats have got the breeding season but if that's the breeding season of everything else we've got going on they're likely to try and slot into but they don't in America that's the same in America do they yeah, not? The, the, the do mountain they not lions do don't do it in America they have litters all through the year okay oh. yeah yeah it's a behavioural thing it's interesting yeah it is a behavioural thing there's a lot of behavioural issues that you know, really are they different a, in Britain or not, yeah, yes. as it were? Are they true, true to type in every way? Some of what we're seeing is true to type speculation about behaviour in that 20 years ago. That's changing. I watched nine pumas the, the other day walk across Peru together yeah, from exactly. different families. Well, let, let's talk about a behavioural thing that a podcast listener emailed me on the other day. And he said, it's a very good point, he said... When you have muntjac deer in Asia, they're called barking deer there, they have a barking sort of alert noise, like, like the roe deer here do especially. He said one of those calls is a big cat alert call. Mm. Would deer here... Now, clearly some Recognise that call. Yeah, clearly some witnesses have reported to us in Britain that they've seen a deer bound off and a, and a, le- a black leopard-like cat or a puma-like cat come out of cover being, and their cover's been blown, but... Do, do they have an alarm call for big cats here? Have you have you ever thought about that? You're so, making me think about it. Mm. Um, it's a good point raised it, by it's a It's a valid point, actually, because just because something does it in its own environment, and this is what we perceived as a behaviour from where they are, we don't necessarily know that it is a true behaviour. It's only our assumption that it's behaviour. Yeah. To what extent they're going to pick it up here? Yeah. Is it, in, is it ingrained into them? We've had carcasses out under camera, say, that we believe have been touched by the cats. And the domestic dogs don't go near it, the foxes don't go near it. When we strongly believe that they've been touched, animals don't tend to go near what big cats seem to want. Yes, we've seen foxes mm. uh, sniff at them and flee, haven't we? And flee, literally run. Yeah. And we've seen dogs that will go up to a carcass that we believe is cat carcass, and the dogs will get up to about six foot, and they'll wag their tails, but they won't go any closer. The dog's on the anything that's in front of a camera. A dog can't help it. Its nose is in there and its yes. tail's up in the air. I remember last winter I had a witness, an informant, uh, say that her dog did that with a swan carcass that she was very suspicious of, an eaten out swan carcass. And said the dog was very nervous when he got close to it. See, I don't think many things can take out a swan. Yeah, exactly. Well, Paul Ramsden's on the case. You're yeah, talking a six to eight foot wingspan with quite a lot of strength. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, let's let's move on to field signs now yes. before we get on to people's attitudes yes. in the locality. So, quickly, your sort of highlights of tree scratches and scat and other. Claire, what stood out to you that you've picked up? 
Can you talk about the tree scratches? Yeah, while I was walking in the woods, um, my son found a tree that had scratches on it. They were too high up to be anything else, and and we tried scratching the tree ourselves with a knife and stuff like that, and we couldn't do it. Couldn't make the similar yeah, we marks. Tried, we tried mimicking that, didn't we? So we, um, we cut the tree down and collected it. Yeah. It was a bit like just doing coppicing. It wasn't like it was a valuable tree. It was no, just it had an orange spot on it. It was due to be cut down. I think yeah. I'd have got into trouble if they'd caught me at it, but yeah. the biggest problem was clearing the rest of the tree off the path, wasn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. But we yeah. did. We didn't leave yeah. a mess. And, and yeah. so what about the scratches, apart from the height, persuaded you as potential cat? Each set of marks on there is a group of four, mainly four. There's a couple that are just frees, but they're mainly fours. Quite long, deep lacerations into the wood. Each one seems to start with... It's like I'm holding up a biro, aren't I? And um, a notch. The, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's that point at the top of the biro yeah. lid. I've seen the same. I absolutely and, agree and, with you. And yeah. It's almost got an exact shape to it as it hits the wood before it comes down it, yeah it's it, a triangular notch it's a triangle that's got, what i would call it is a triangular notch yeah, yeah. and there's a score in the in deep, the middle it's a deep score and the fresher it is the sharper it is i found okay yes yeah see you've had some quite big ones in the past you've well different size ones both you? small and you know small I've medium and large of, yeah. we've seen a lot of smaller ones but i tend personally to dismiss them a bit because of the fact that people aren't going to necessarily buy it when it's on a smaller tree yeah the yeah. bigger the tree the better i think it it yeah. is for convincing well put a photo you've got a photo of this one before it was cut down haven't you I yes think. you've got a spoke of it in situ with us all stood next to it as a yeah family, well actually. we'll put that on the on the website that's all right yeah. the interesting thing about that is when raven found that tree when that was really bizarre wasn't it because we'd we, walk straight past it we'd walk we straight past it we were looking at a scat on the floor about six foot away yeah. from the tree and raven turned around so and shouted back, mum come, come back here you're missing this come back here right. and he stood there pointing this tree and he's he was 11 10 11 so they were higher than him yeah they were higher than him yeah so they stood out to him you see yes whereas us walking along and they were below our eye level yeah waist height it's yeah it's almost you don't yeah five foot seven top right okay that's brilliant let's go on to scat andy what are you looking for in scat and what what are some of the best scats you've found the scats that we got at this location i think they really do look like leopard scats in what way? What does that mean, Andy? Right, so we're talking about something that's about 16 inches long. Even though it's curled up, if you were at home now, we're talking about something that's at least 16 inches long. It's mainly built up in the situation it's in there. It's, it's been washed out, so all the meaty material's gone out of it. So you're left with all this hair. I know myself from having dogs and domestic cats. Nine times out of ten, they eat meat or biscuits that comes out of tins. It tends to come through as a reddy, orangey, brown consistency. Um, when we're looking for scats random from cats, we tend to be looking for a higher black content in them because of the blood content. The lynxes, or what I believe might be lynxes scats that we're finding, are grey. Okay, not black. And they're not so segmented, are they? They're not lynxes? so segmented. Yeah, um, the I find scats are very... I think they're a way forward. We know we test them for hairs. We've had our own one of our own samples tested, which came back as a non-conclusive at the time wasn't it we've seen lots of really positive scats from jonathan we've seen lots of people across the country put scats out there and you know we know what they're coming from but the trouble we're having with scats is we're dissecting dry scats i think as a group of people that do the research we've got to start looking at this a different way um 
I've been looking into the fact that when a scat comes out of the body, when it's fresh, for the first few hours after it comes out, it's got a mucous membrane on it. Yeah. Which isn't part of the scat, it's part of the fluid of the animal that's passed it. I think maybe this fluid is the way to get the predator off the scat rather than the prey victim, which is what we tend to get. We tend to get the prey victims out of scats. When you're doing a DNA when test. When we're doing yes, DNA tests, yes. because it's very hard to come across. And Jonathan does try to come across those single hairs that could be from the cat. Yes. Well, certainly when an informant contacts me about a scat and is it worth testing, I almost say, if it hasn't got that mucal membrane it's layer, not worth it. it's not worth it it's because you'll likely spend money and get the content, a roe deer result or a rabbit result. But the trouble is then, you see, with this, we, we have to adapt ourselves so we, we need to be more aware of wet scat and being brave enough to swab, photograph and collect wet scat. Yes. Even, because they're not always jet black, are they? They're not always full of what looks like meat. You can't always yeah. see bones in them. Now, I believe our one with the tail eats an awful lot of pigeons. Even though there's plenty of deer up there and we know they take the deer, there's more pigeons up there than deer. And the exact location where the camera is, we get bloody hundreds of them and we've had it eating them. Yeah, and so it'd be a constant snack. You're them. constantly eating pigeons. You don't need to eat anything with a bigger bone. So we're not really going to even find those bones in the scats. Um, so to be looking for evidence in the scat. It's sort of like we're restricting ourselves, I think, when we're sticking to dry scats. I think we should photograph them. I think we should bag them. I think we should trust ourselves more when we're finding fresh stuff. Mm. That's about your experience, though, isn't it? Mm. You know, with the gamekeeper's background and, and just the boots on the ground time. It's the boots on the ground and how many scats we're seeing. And we're seeing so many different grades of scat. I've got pictures of the puma enclosures in Exmoor. Exmoor Zoo. Exmoor Zoo. So you can see in their puma enclosure, I took a photograph... I've done it with footprints and I've done it with scats. Because we see things out here and they're not textbook. And there's stages between it being wet and it being dry. So I took a picture and I've got a half dry scat from the puma right next to a fresh wet scat. And the dry scat is, you can always see the, the fact that it's segmented. Yes. But the fresher it is, the more the, moist. The less of that segmentation yes. is obvious. Yes. It's as it dries. So we've got to learn to trust ourselves that what we're seeing out there when it's fresh. I've got two photographs that have got the mucous membrane on it, but it's right at the point where it's dried. So you can see it's there, but it's too dry to swab. Right what about the smell? I find they tend to stink. The best way to describe it is like iron, isn't it? I find they're very strong, very irony, very like blood. Dog scats tend to smell like what they eat, and I think tin food stinks. Yeah. And I think that's personally what their scats smell like, yeah. is what they eat. Yeah. Great, okay. Well, that, that, I think, again, we've, we're coming down to your experience, this assessment of scats. It's about your experience and how many times you come across them. And that is over the years, isn't it? You've built up that picture. Yeah. But it's still a challenge to make some conclusions and present a case that's going to influence people, isn't it? But we need to convince them beyond reasonable, so to speak, in a court yeah. of law, so to speak, yeah. is a lot more difficult and it's going to lead a lot more than what we're putting out there at the moment.
Okay, well, let's go on to attitudes and how you find people's responses to the thought there may be big cats out there. Because I know you speak to a lot of people in the locality. You, you know, you, you've lived here many years of your lives. You come across all kinds of attitudes. Claire, go first on this. Mainly the people that I've spoken to, they believe it. And a lot of them around you have seen one. And there's a lady that I speak to that works in the co-op and she's seen one twice. On quite a few years back, two different areas, but in King Stanley. Actually in the villages. Yeah. They come, the winter reports are quite relevant. Yeah, you're reminding me now, I was in a community shop here, about five miles from where we are, mm. and there was two ladies in it who were working, yeah. and I think a guy was volunteering, they were volunteers in this community shop. Two women there had both seen one, and the guy just didn't believe it. You know, he thought, <laughs> nonsense. You know, so you get different attitudes in yeah. the same group of people who know each other. Claire's dad doesn't believe it, until, no. or didn't believe it, until somebody that drove him somewhere to... And we went to hospital in an ambulance, and this person was talking about big cats. And then he came back from hospital believing it. Yeah, he hadn't he, taken it from you? No, 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 no. no, no. Everything Every we were t- doing was rubbish. No, yeah, we were rubbish. That was all in our mind. That, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're with them idiots. But he doesn't think that no more. But when ambulance drove him, so whatever that chap said to him... Was convincing. Was convincing. Yes. But you also, I've noticed when you're in dialogue with people in the newspapers who comment, most of whom, when they comment, are pretty clueless, not all, but, I mean, you, you keep your dignity and you you know, keep positive. And I, I remember there was a lovely one recently where you actually turned somebody who looked pretty aggressive at you into somebody who was actually very cordial oh, and the convivial. Chap, the chap that said this is absolute rubbish, there's yeah. nothing in it. And I said to him, I said, well, to be honest, sir, I think you're, you're probably just not looking in the right place. You know what I mean? Because the press puts a lot of stuff out there. Mm. And yeah, they're right. A lot of it isn't news and a lot of it isn't cats. Mm. But I just I said, I just don't think you're looking in the right place. And I said, you've got to start seeing it for more of an enjoyable thing than a challenge to prove to people. It is actually because there's no evidence. And it's like, well, you're saying that without looking at it. And that's what I think a lot of us naturally do. The human race naturally is a sort of defence mechanism so we don't get trapped into something that could lead us into ridicule, I suppose is the word, isn't it? I've got to admit, I've watched an awful lot of stuff lately on the television about the government and aliens. We think we got issues with ridicule. Those poor chaps that certainly see little green men, they've got it. They're the ones that get the ridicule. I feel positively like a scientist compared to somebody that reports (laughs) that... No, but some of these poor people that have to report that they've been abducted, that's quite a strange thing to say, yes, isn't it? It's, it's a lot it's different a, to saying you've seen a black cat. It's several notches beyond what we're on yeah, about. Yeah, it is. Basically, you find mixed reactions and you've, you've heard it all, is that right? I can honestly say I've only ever heard one person that dismissed us, didn't we? And that was a farm. That was owner. a farm. Well, it was somebody on a farm, wasn't it? Yeah, driving a tractor, yeah. Driving a vehicle on a farm and his attitude was... He was the only person, the, land, the landowner gave us permission to put cameras on, but one of the people that was visiting the farm to do stuff there just laughed at us like we were total lunatics, straight to our faces. Walked away thinking, well, okay. Good stuff, okay. Back to the local area, yes. and you've been assessing big cat evidence and following up for many years now. Mm. Question, but you know, what's going on? What, how are the cats using this Stroud Valley's area? And how many might there be at any one time? Right, I think mainly we probably, personally, I believe we've probably got one or two f- 
female permanent residences. I think we've got a couple of big males that come through here and do what they need to do. And I think they travel quite a distance, these males. I have problems agreeing with some of the numbers that people say. I don't like to believe that we've got hundreds of cats wandering the countryside and we're that stupid. We still haven't managed to catch a picture of them. Do you know what I mean? Because the more we say there are of them and the less images that get out there to prove it, the more stupid we look. But, um, it might have been a veiled criticism of me, actually. No, no, it, it wasn't meant as well. No, no, no. I can understand why you say that, but yeah. I can see well, that I, it sounds I like can that. take it on the chin, Andy. I, I'm the one who has to sort of <laughs> You're the one who puts ask the questions of the press and get misquoted, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, but it's very hard in your position, isn't it? You don't want to say a number. No, numbers are a really mean, strange cause... thing because I believe that although our country isn't their native country, I do believe that... The more of them there are, the smaller the boundaries will get for the females, and obviously a male incorporates so many. But anyway, it, get, get it back to Strand Valley, because it's more Strand manageable Valley's... thinking about your patch. I think yeah. when you get to England or a region or yeah. Scotland, it's so much more difficult. In but... the part of the Strand Valleys, that I'd, I'd say we do mainly half the Strand Valleys, or yeah. Stroud District, I'd say. We cover half Stroud District. We don't tend to go too far out. Mm -hmm. There are other people that are further out on the edges of the district, like John. Yeah. Do you know we'll I mean? swap notes with them. We'll swap notes with them. Um, I personally feel like we got two females and two one females male passing through, and I think we got a big male passing through. Yeah. I think over towards John, he's got definite male and a female over there of one species. Yeah, not the same one as I got up here. Um, we're talking; these are black ones. We're talking. I, about. We've got black ones up here, haven't we? Yeah. And I believe John's picking up pumas over there. Yeah. As the crow flies between those two places, it's quite feasible that John's cats are coming all the way over to Nelson. Yeah. Personally, as a researcher, I dismiss lynx a little bit. Mainly because, although they are a big animal... You're, sorry, you don't dismiss the reports of being credible? You no, oh no, God, no. I wouldn't dare say that people are talking rubbish or they're mistaken. Um, because our own son's turned around and told us he's seen a huge rabbit jumping over a tree. No, you don't see huge rabbits jumping over trees. Mm. Especially when we went to check the log and the tree was, yeah, about that yeah. high off the floor. So you thought it was a cat? So, it, you know, been... it's a big, grey, fluffy thing from the back, yeah? We heard this chirping noise. And um, we just kept walking didn't we and it seemed to be following us and as we went round a curve Brock looked up the bank and he said mum a huge bunny rabbit jumped over there and I said how big and he went like this and yeah. the log was they were younger then yes yeah. so that's interesting because that that is links like isn't it both the noise and the movement and the yeah. form and then we went over if a bunny wanted to go under it the bunny would have gone under the clearing at the bottom it wouldn't yeah. have jumped over this great yeah. big yeah so so links are not on your they're, radar? They're not yeah. on my radar. I don't dismiss them. I find scats, which I honestly believe are links. But improving something, I feel that the leopards and the pumas, because they're the non-indigenous ones, my mind wants to prove that they're here. Whereas what could be indigenous... Well, finally then, on the aspect that they're non-indigenous does that matter what's your attitude no. to big cats being around in, in terms of your emotional response to them say we proved that there were black leopards and pumas out there and we thought hang on then that case they've got to go because we can't live amongst them what would you feel about that claire i think they've been here for so long that we should leave them alone and we should yeah we're studying them we're interested in them yeah. interested in what they do 
where mm. they go. Mm. Learning, learning about them. I think we're privileged. Yeah, if I we think have, we if, they, are. if we're right, and there are as many as there are here, okay, we're going to have to, as a nation, be a little bit more aware of where we go. But quite frankly, I think a lot of us could do with being a bit more aware of where we go anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. but I do. Do you know what I mean? Um, then and where you keep dogs on a lead and that sort of thing, and and, and, and so they don't flush out. Eye on your children. Enough people don't keep an eye on their young children in the countryside. I've walked up on a calf and nearly got my face bit off. So you don't have to worry about a cat when a cow will kill you if it wants to. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think we're privileged. I think if if they're here in small numbers, we're, we're lucky. If they're here in big numbers, we, we've got something. The natural world where they're supposed to be is rapidly losing. Hmm. I, I think if we don't preserve nature where we have got it, we're going to lose everything. So it might be in the wrong place, but does it really matter if it's in the wrong place as long as it's still alive? I've not seen evidence to say they take down enough livestock for me to be concerned that they take down domestic livestock. Mm. We're very scarce to find sheep, aren't we? Odd, yeah, we odd sheep we find it's suspicious. Most of what we find is what would naturally be culled in the wild by a predator that should be here. Yes, like lynx. They're doing the yeah, same as lynx. They are do, doing the same. And if they're, they're talking about the possible of reintroduction, it's an admittance that maybe we need the predators here. Well, finally then, you just mentioned about... Um, how they behave as it were now we do know a case and it's, it's not representative at all that's the problem talking about cats getting close to people mm. where young children toddlers were confronted oh, yes. by one yes. very plausible story and frank was involved in following that up it did get onto the itv regional news we can probably show that clip on the website but let, let's sort of just have your assessment of that because you actually know through the grapevine yeah, you know who was involved we we know the lady that saw it or the lady whose sons it was. Since the event, we've managed to speak to the children, or one of them, haven't we? Just quickly, this was on the edge of Robborough Common about seven or eight years ago, and yeah. two toddlers were with an older six-year-old lad who was sort of monitoring them, uh, managing them, while their mums were talking around the corner about a minute away, and a right. perfectly safe little area on the edge of they the common. They were down by the blackberry bush, weren't they? Yeah. By the blackberries. Yeah. And then he sees a black panther coming out of scrub away from them and then it turns and notices the toddlers and then edges up close and goes down and its tail is flickering, according to him. He runs to the mums around the corner and they all come screaming and shouting when they see what it is. He says cat or something to his mum, doesn't he? Yeah, and they believe him straight away and he's very worried and they shoo it away, luckily, and there's three of them. That cat is exactly where we'd expect that cat to be, except for that little bit. We believe it regularly travels that route. There's a canal nearby, there's a train track nearby. You've got the common not far above. Um, they cut across the common and they use the canals, the rivers, and the old cycle and train tracks around here are very prominent routes because they're so dominant in our countryside. Yeah, these linear routes. Yeah. These linear routes that we've got, these these lower corridors. There are low-down corridors or higher corridors are obviously the timber at the top. I know you went then went to the location and you thought That's that right. cat was hanging about there because it was a parched part of summer and there's a spring line in the brambles there's there. There's a spring line in the brambles, there's a rib at the bottom. Um, the children made the noise. The cat became interested. It was reported at the time as a stalking, wasn't it? And I know the press liked the word stalking. From speaking, we like I said, we've had the pleasure of speaking to the the little chap involved and from his point of view he was almost in awe of this animal 
at the age of six. At the age of six, it was still a case of, there's this amazing big animal. But he did the right thing, run to the mums around the corner. He'd done a very good thing, running to his mum around the corner. I think his mum acted rather quickly on it as well. Many a parent, I feel, would probably just run inside and go, well, what you want about leave me alone, son, I'm talking. So Um, we can't blame the cat for edging up close to two toddlers when it suddenly arrives and they're unaccompanied, because that's such a rare event. It is a rare event. I think encounters that close, children are little and children scream, but they're not on the agenda, they're not on the menu. Um, and they're normally accompanied and safe. And they're normally accompanied. You Quite often, if you go for a walk through the woods and there's little kids in the woods, there's usually a bloody great big dog and half a dozen adults. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, this cat just happened to be, like you said, a particularly hot year and it had wandered a little bit higher than normal. The riverbed, I think, was low at the bottom. Yeah. So it's come up to the brook. Um, a lot of the fields where we're getting sightings I've started noticing on the map I said to you the other day didn't I these little springs a lot of our sightings are near a brook that appears in the middle of a field you don't see it on most maps and then on one map it shows that it's got this little spring coming up you think well that's a little bit weird I think it's there for the water I don't think it was there for anything else Mm. Um, I can't remember precisely who done it but I do recall that at the time it was either the local parish council or the farmer, I think it was the parish council, within a couple of weeks had actually been down and put a like a solid fencing unit up, hadn't they? Yeah. I was asked for a quote in the press yeah. and I said, well, I don't like saying stripping down the scrub and the brambles, that's but right. maybe do that for a while and put a fence up. And that's well, what happened. Yeah, they literally, they went out there and they fenced off this one area where it, it, it was blatantly, it could come across from one field into the residential bit. So they blocked it to make sure it, it couldn't. And almost as if just to encourage it to go back the way it was normally going which I think is further down following the river course rather than this spring but no fuss was made about that was just done under the radar without a big fuss even the press it wasn't that bad an issue because it could have been yes we were worried that that one was going to go to the tabloids and become pear-shaped I think at the time the mother was concerned in a sense of just um, my kids in danger I'll take my kid out of the equation not oh my God, there's a horrible big cat there that's going to come and eat my kid. Yeah. It's more of a case, there's something not quite, I'm taking my kid out. Yes, and it was relatively close to a school, so I think she felt... Press. A need to yeah. say something for... It is very close to a school. Yeah. It is very close to a school. And that's something else we get around here. I don't know if it's because the schools just happen to be placed on all the banks, but we get quite a few reportings near schools... Now, this is just a quick separate insert into the recording with Andy and Claire, just to let you know that coming up in the next segment is their report of the discovery of a dead human body. I should emphasise that the body and the fatality is not anything to do with big cats. Anyway, we thought we should just alert you to the fact that this sensitive topic is coming up for a few minutes. If you want to skip it for any reason, then move forward five and a half minutes on your play marker and we're then on to a different topic in the discussion. Righto, we are going back to the recording now. One of our most interesting finds was one day we were out checking out at Bike Hallowell, behind Stratford Park in Stroud, and we were covering the fields up there, walking across the fields, checking for... We'd regularly get scats up there, wouldn't we? And we're at the one end of this this field, and Claire's in the field. I go one side of the hedge and the fence line, and Claire goes the other. And we try to walk along both sides of the fence line, talking to each other, and so we got both sides of the hedge line covered. If there's anything there, you'll find it. Plenty of thick nettles and brambles and that along this along this area. 
we're walking along and Claire said Claire says to me, she says, I can smell some of this, some in here. My wife's got an amazing nose for picking up dead things, all right? Yes, well, sniffed it out. Yeah, she sniffed it out. She said, there's something here, there's something here. And we're on this line. She go, no, we've got to keep going. There's, the smell's coming more over there. So we're heading along this area fence line. We get to this bit. And she goes, it's there. I know it's there. It's the side you are. And it's over here somewhere. And I'm going, okay, darling, give us a minute. I've got a big patch of nettles to get through to get to see where you are, to even see what's on the ground where you are. Walked for about 15, 20 foot of nettles. And... Uh, Stood there and I said to Claire, I said, oh. She said, what, you found it? Is it a deer? We were seriously expecting a big roe deer because the smell that was coming off it, pungent as hell. He turned up and I turned around to Claire. I said, I said to Claire, I said, um, I think we're going to need some help. And she said, why? I said, it's a human. And she said, it's a what? And I said, it's a human. I couldn't even say human because I was stood there looking at a dead person lying under a tree in the middle of a park where children were playing. And my wife had just sniffed it out. We rang the police, didn't we? You went and contacted the leisure centre know that they needed to get the police. I rang the police. The strange thing is, the police were... Um, they treated us almost as if we were something to do with why the body was there. Why were you here? When was the last time you were here? And when I explained to them, well, actually, it's because my wife sniffs out dead bodies. They said, what do you mean dead body? Oh, dear, dear. No, I mean my wife sniffs out dead deer. And so we explained what we do looking for cats. And the one officer actually rang through to Gloucester. Now, bear in mind, they were Cheltenham officers. And she rang through to Gloucester and said, is this normal? Am I being told the truth? Are these people from Stroud really out looking for big cats? Because otherwise, I think they thought we were something to do with white Well, inevitably, you're going to be on the longer list, aren't you? So the local police between them actually basically said, yeah, it's not too weird. that It's not too weird that these people are out there looking for dead bodies. It's just unfortunate they found a human. Yeah. And that was... How long had that been there and nobody noticed it? A a mile and a half from town? Well, this is one of my biggest points when people say, oh, well, if it was out there, we'd see it. Well, we're in a mile outside town itself. Yep. We're in a sports complex and we have a big park with children playing in it every day. Albeit long grass on the edge of it, but still. You still think somebody would smell it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, then there's a body that I said to the police, I believe it's somewhere between three weeks and three months old. And they said, what makes you say that? And I said, because of the area of de- decomposition that shows up around the body. We get it on the deer. If something's been somewhere a long time, especially in hot weather, you'll get a lot of black, dead looking on the ground. The ground goes wet and black. And this poor person, there was about a four inch band of black around the person's whole body Mm. where he'd started to decompose. Most shocking thing I've ever found that is. What was the final conclusion on that? How long did they, was there a coroner's report? We don't know. Um, We know that uh, two years later or a year later, they put the article back in the newspaper again trying to find out who he was. So we don't know, no outcome to our knowledge about who the actual chap was. Which is a bit, I thought they might have done. A bit bit troubling, yeah. And I do believe they offered us counselling at the time, didn't they? But I think it was more of a case of we don't want counselling because initially you thought we'd done it. It's big enough relief that you're just off the list of suspects. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. rather than needing counselling, yeah. But the strange thing about that is you know how networks work really quickly. 
We'd spoke to the police. They didn't interview us until later, did they? No. They wanted us out of the way so they could get the body out of the way, you see. So they spoke to us for about 20 minutes and then let us go, and they came here to interview us later. By the time we'd gotten into, into town, which took us all, all of seven minutes to walk from location to town, went to get a drink to calm our nerves, didn't we? And by the time we got the drink, it said, oh, we just found a body and stuff. Like, no, you haven't. It's on Facebook. These people found it. Okay, so in the seven minutes, and so in half an hour of finding the body, other people claim that they're finding this body. Well, no, but isn't it that you had been reported no, no. on Facebook? No, other people on Facebook were saying they'd just found this, they themselves had found, I've just found a body in Stratford Park, it said. Was that because you alerted local people as you walked out? No. Oh, because I did alert people in the leisure centre. It's because you went and alerted people oh, in the okay. leisure centre. It's like Chinese whispers, isn't it? Yeah, things get corrupted. Things get corrupted. I think that happens with our cat stuff a lot. Yeah, of course. I think a lot of stuff gets corrupted. Yeah, lots of lessons in that one. There's a lot of lessons there, yeah. Don't trust your wife to sniff out a dead deer (laughs) if she's going to find you a dead human. Good stuff. Well, we are petering out, we're finishing off, and it's all been really useful. And so I think it's a chance for you both to say one final thing that we haven't covered that you want to make a point about. Andy first, then Claire, maybe. I don't know, he's let me rattle on that much. I've forgotten everything I might have wanted to say. And one thing I want to say, if anything, anybody who's thinking of getting into it, that honestly believes that they can find it, get out there and do it. Because if nothing else, it's kept us healthy, hasn't it? It's kept us healthy, it's kept us sane. We've seen so much more nature than we would have seen. The cameras have enabled us to see so much stuff. We get owls come down and land in front of cameras. We, yeah, just some, yeah, if I was to say anything I'd like to say is, anybody who's interested in it, don't hesitate. I know it's a funny subject, but it's a good subject that we meet some really interesting people. We've met some odd people. I've met some odd people, not anything to do with cats. So, yeah, no, anybody who wants to get into it, get into it. Yeah, and that's a recurring theme on the podcast. It's mm. good for body and soul in so many it ways. Is, it yeah. is so good for us all. It's, yeah. Claire, last final point yes, for you. Uh, yes, um, well, I've got a grandson now and he will be coming out with me when he's a little bit bigger. He's only 18 months old. But oh, wow. I didn't know that. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be training them up. You've teaching got him a... some DNA and teaching him how to do a scat test and teaching him. I know she's not lying because he doesn't live far from Collier's Wood, so I know full yeah, attention top, where she's planning to take it. Yeah. And because he'll learn lots of other life skills and professional exactly skills like, yeah, from that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. That's going to be amazing. Our children loved it, didn't they? As they, they got, yeah. as they got to an older age, you, you're lucky, Owens. But as Brock and Raven got older, I think they wanted to go off and do their own thing. But when they were younger, they loved it. Oh, climbing yeah. up the banks, go! Oh, looks a bone up there. Go and run up the bank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they've still got bone. it in them, haven't they? Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Like Raven I said, Ray, is countryside through and through. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. He's mm. countryside through and through. Yeah. And if, if they're not even interested in the outdoors so much, they've still got that alertness and that observational side mm. to them, hopefully, because I think even that is a strong, important trait for people. Yes, Because too many people are sat in front of a television, aren't they? Our children need to get out there as much as we do. Yeah. Take the families out. Take them walking. Go and do some stuff. Take a camera, really not good. a mobile phone. Leave yeah. the mobile phone at home and take a camera. Because they can zoom in a whole lot better than a mobile phone. Yeah, and yeah. they're not distracted by the mobile phone whilst they're walking. With somebody texting them, because society's gone weird. You don't, They don't get the peace of quiet even in the woods these days. Good, well we are getting more restless as we finish off than the dogs. The dogs are absolutely <coughs> zonked out. 
and behave themselves immaculately. Poor Owen's been sat still for a long time, hasn't he? Well, Owen's doing his job <laughs> making sure that it's all on the right recording levels and that we haven't missed anything. So I think we are pretty much through. So Andy and Claire, really lovely to catch up with you. Good luck with everything. We'll keep in touch on the podcast. And I know that I'm going to be out in a month or so time. Come back and see us. Doing cameras yeah. and everything in the usual spot. So... Look forward to it. We've got a set of hair traps in that location as well. So. Oh, wow. You haven't done well, a hair I, trap. Well, I'm figuring yeah. because we've got, now got images of it coming out of a tree, mm. we're not picking on a random tree with a possible random cat ring where they need to go. Will the hair trap be seen by people, Andy, do you think? I'm hoping not. I've been looking at the images and I'm figuring that if I'm really lucky, I can get it on the bow that it's coming down out of the tree out of. I've got two places up there I want to put it in. One on... It's going behind a tree... So that's on the side of the bank that the people don't tend to touch anyway. And if it's up the tree, I'm, I'm literally dealing with traps this big. When we do it, go. we'll take a photo for the podcast and put yeah. it back on this episode. It'd be nice to put a... I mean, sand traps and... I love the idea traps. of sand traps, but you've yeah. got to keep... It's like a golf course, isn't it? You've got to keep going back and raking it over. And you can it? only do it on your own private land, really. But it's, yeah, it's, a bit it's hard just to sand out, interesting yeah. to do. No, I'd yeah. love to be able to do it because you, sand is one of the best mediums for getting a good footprint in. Like a sort of sharp sound. Yeah, a nice sharp sound, yeah. yeah. Lovely to see you guys. We'll keep in touch and uh, keep us posted. But thank you very much for being on Big Cat Conversations. Thank you very much for having us. It's been thank a... you very much for it. Righto, just a reminder that there are several photos and things to see for this episode on the website. So that's on the references and links page of the Big Cat Conversations website. And then you're looking for the section labelled episode 90. And those photos include the different trail camera shots of the tail we were talking about. And that might be a tail of a black leopard-like cat. And they are intriguing but frustrating photos because the animal is obscured by trees and so it's only ever partially in view. But looking through the trees makes sure you actually see the tail tip and so the full tail length becomes apparent. We've done our best to indicate the scale of the animal in those photographs. And at the end of those links for this episode we've put the ITV News report and that's from 2013 of the close encounter we've just discussed at Robborough Common, of the alleged panther emerging from the brambles as the young children were picking blackberries. That's a short clip well worth watching if you can. OK, for our words of the week, we're going to enter the exciting and scary world of artificial intelligence, because in this past week I've had a message from Rob, and he was one of our guests on episode 36 when he discussed his link sighting. Rob says the following... I asked a new AI language engine to write a poem about a lynx being seen in the UK. It only took it about three seconds and the results were pretty good. So here is the poem that was served up to Rob by that AI programme. In the misty dawn, on a country stroll, a glimpse of wild, a sight to behold. A flash of fur, a pair of bright eyes, a lynx on the prowl, a surprise. Through fields of green and woods so dense, it prowls with grace, with such elegance. A master of stealth, a hunter supreme, a ruler of the wild, a king unseen. With tufted ears and rough neck, it surveys its kingdom with pride and respect.
a symbol of freedom, wild and true, a big cat in the UK, a rare sight to view. But as quickly as it came, it disappears, back to the shadows, away from our ears, a memory etched forever in mind, a lynx in the wild, of beauty refined. So there you go, and hopefully the AI programme doesn't want a t-shirt prize. It even gave Rob an explanation of the construction of the poem, and that's pretty impressive as well, and here it is. This is a poem that describes the surprise and awe of seeing a wild animal like a lynx in the UK. The use of imagery, such as misty dawn and fields of green, creates a sense of the natural surroundings and the peacefulness of the country walk. The poem also highlights the grace and elegance of the big cat, as well as the rarity of the sighting. The poem ends with the idea that the memory of this encounter will be forever etched in the mind of the observer, as a beautiful and unique moment. Well, thanks for that, Rob. That is both intriguing, impressive and a bit unnerving, of course. It really does demonstrate the capabilities of AI and what sorts of different influences it could have on our lives. Now, I wonder if an AI programme could interview some big cat witnesses and prepare some podcasts on the topic and whether listeners would spot any difference. OK, we're nearly finished now, so thanks again to Andy and Claire, our guests, and thanks to Owen, our producer, and our on-location dog-sitter. Next time, we're with Paul MacDonald at last for our update from Scotland. That one includes sightings reports, information on a large black cat carcass found last year, and discussion of releases and possible origins of some of our big cats. So, back with you soon. As ever, thanks for listening. Take care and bye for now.